Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 145 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Atnip, sitting in the host chair on this fine Monday afternoon at this point. In the studio with me, Andrew Rosenthal and James Cook. I had to bring this up because our Audible viewers here on this podcast, if you, especially if you've been with us for a while, if you're, if you're a new listener, we love you. But if you've been with us for a while, you probably remember our former host, Brett Summers. And for the first time since he left this great town, I actually got to see him this past weekend. He came back up here for the Great Lakes Strongman Competition, which <laughs> I think it, there's many recorded rants at length of me calling Brett a gorilla on this podcast. Um, but the gorilla made his way back to Traverse City and competed in the Strongman. I saw him right beforehand and right after. I'll tell you, right beforehand, great spirits. Very, very happy. Right after, while he did win third place and uh, qualified for nationals, which is awesome, he, like, bulged a disc in his back doing the deadlift on, like, event number three out of five. And he was telling me, he was just like, yeah, I almost just gave up, but then I realized that I was going to qualify for nationals. I was like, Brett, only guess how, I've, this way, guess how much he blew his back out deadlifting on Saturday. Brett, Brett weighs 219 pounds. He's like five foot eight. How much he was deadlifting on Saturday? I don't even know the weight. I know that. I know that. I know. I know that on Sunday morning he like went and saw Don Funk. I'm, I bet he did. I bet he did. He needed <laughs> to. Get an yeah, I, give me a guess, fellas. I need a guess. You said five hundred. Based on one of the descriptions you've said, five seventy-five, five hundred, five hundred, five fifty. I don't know. Eight hundred pounds. God. Brett was deadlifting eight hundred, but he he completed it. He blew out his back in the process, but he completed it. But I, he, he, she showed me this other guy who's smaller than him. Is in the weight class below him. Deadlifted, what do you say, ten hundred twenty-five pounds. And while he was bringing thousand twenty-five, yes, but ten hundred, yeah, thousand twenty-five. He showed, me, he showed me a video of this guy, who's smaller than Brett, deadlifted that and, like, winked at the people on his way up while he was doing this. I was just like, these people are absolutely nuts. I've always called Brett nuts for that, especially after blowing out your back. But we wish him the best of luck. He doesn't have to do nationals for, like, a year, though. I think he said it's, like, June or next year is when he has to be, like, recouped. So that'll be fun. Be good. I, just wanted to br- I just wanted to bring him up. Don probably took good care of him. Don's taking good care of me. He's the one who sent me to Don. So, I mean, Don Funk, Trevor City Central Wrestling Coach. We'll get to talk to him. You know, not too long. Winter sports aren't too far away. We have, I mean, actually, we have playoffs this week. That's what playoffs. we're going to Playoffs? We're going to be talking about the playoffs here on this episode. Uh, we got a lot to come at you guys in the pulse. We're going to talk about tennis playoffs, soccer district schedules uh, that start Thursday. Golf state finals are this weekend. We obviously have a couple of girls who we're going to talk about there. We're going to update you a little bit on football as the end of the season is shaking out and all of these conferences have pretty much been decided. We have a great interview with Sutton's Bay senior football player Michael Whitman after their win over Whittemore Prescott on Saturday, moving to 4-0 on the season. Uh, the Norsemen are back on their way on a collision course uh, with what seems like a pretty deep run in the uh, state playoffs here in a couple of weeks. And then we're going to get into a couple of extracurricular conversations after that today. Our Chatter That Doesn't Matter section, uh, replacing the Chatter That Does Matter that's been extremely serious over the last few months. Uh, we are going to have a little bit of fun. James has been pining to talk about the Red Wings and their Iser plan and how it's going with free agency and all the trades and everything and the draft. So we're going to get into that later. And then we're going to get into talking about the NBA and LeBron James to see if we think he can win six titles. That's our trifecta today. So are you guys excited for this episode or what? I'm geeked up. I'm geeked up. What about you? 
Still half asleep. <laughs> now, uh, before we before it's, we get too it's far, it's five o'clock, man. It's yeah. five o'clock somewhere. I want to make sure that we remind you we are sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Make sure you order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Let's put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world and get into the pulse. We obviously have a lot to talk about, fellas. It's playoff week. Football, we've been talking about it for a while, so we're not leading with that. We're leading with our other sports. we got a lot to talk about. First one is state finals. Well, I guess we'll go in order of most immediate. State finals for golf is Friday. We know we have the, you know, the star of the area, one of the stars in the state, heading down to compete on Friday at Forest Acres East. Ansi D from Traverse City West came in second place to Okemos' Allison Quee last year, and she's returning now and is still right up there with Ansi D. I think she only lost by a stroke or two last year, if I'm not mistaken, and it was a really close battle after her, her older sister Annika was the back-to-back state champ in Division One. Now she has a chance in her final year to get to that pinnacle herself. James, do you think that uh, Ansi is going to be able to overcome Allison in this uh, this year's state finals? The way she's been golfing this year, man, I would not bet against that. I mean, just the scores that she's been putting up. I mean, shooting in the 60s on on the regular. Like, I think the other day when when uh, Carl was reporting the scores, she shot like a 72 or something like that. And that was her worst round of the season. It's <laughs> <laughs> insane. And I was just like, oh, my God. You know, Carl how, told how good me. is this? He told me he's like, you know, a two-round tournament, two-round tournament always helps the better golfers. It almost... It would play to the strengths of a golfer like Ansi, but when you're shooting in the 60s on the regular, I think that kind of goes. You might be okay for a round. You, I think you're okay for a round because she only shoots like 10 under on the regular. Yeah, and it's going to be. I, I just thought about this for the first time. Carl's going to be so sad after after Friday. Now he's not going to have a D on that team anymore. Just ripping up the golf course for Traverse City West. He is going to be. He's going to have to just be. So sad. You're going to have no D on the A team? Yeah, right? How, how is that like work? like their top four golfers, their first names all start with A. They're not going to have a D <laughs> on his A team anymore. That's that's wild. That, that's what, it'll be six years that he's had probably one of the best golfers in the state. I mean, Ansi is headed down to the University of Indianapolis uh, to golf next year. Obviously, I know she. we talked to her on many occasions. She wants the state title before she does that. Uh, Okamis' Allison Cheeto is no joke. She... Uh, no, defending state champion. She shot. I've seen some of her scores this year at some of the bigger, a couple, couple of the bigger things in Division One. She's still shooting 65, 66. I think Ansi broke that course right. What did she? Didn't she? Did she shoot a sixty three this year? Yeah, something like that. I think Ansi shot sixty three. It was not a sixty three. It was yeah, like <sighs> <laughs> yeah, it was a sixty three. That's what it was. She had eight birdies and eagle and three bogeys. When when she did that, I was like, holy crap! I, I, obviously, it's going to be a big weekend for Traverse City West Golf. Uh, there's a couple other teams down there, but I'm not really sure that we have any teams in the running for really even a top five spot this year. Yeah, we got Petoskey is in uh, Division Two along with uh, TC Central, and uh, and then we've got a couple of qualifiers from uh, Manistee and East Jordan. So, the... Some individual qualifiers. Yep. So there there'll be a few people competing down there if you're going to be in Lansing. Uh, I know they're letting people go by, but. So, yeah, so Division 1 and 3 will be on Forest Acres East. Division 2 and 4 will be on Forest Acres West, uh, split across those two days. But still, only one round. We've talked about this. Only one round of golf, and uh, that's going to make a difference. Who knows? All it takes is one good, you know, one good day, and you're a state title. So good luck to all of our local golfers who are headed down to East Lansing this weekend. Next sport is obviously tennis. Districts are underway. 
gone. Regionals, gone. We are looking at a state tournament. We have a few of our teams headed to the state tournament. We got Traverse City, St. Francis, and that top spot, per usual. Dane Filesgard has done a great job with them uh, since Paul Bandrowski has get, had gotten out of there. Kept them at that upper echelon of tennis there in Division Four. Uh, we've seen a couple of individual and, state titles. And earning that number one seed this year. Yeah. I think that's the first time... I think that they've done that, right? They're, they're, usually, they're been, usually number two. They've usually been there like two or three. Yeah. But the number one seed, and, and and in this format, that means even more than normal. I mean, with the, the team format, where normally it's just you playing against your flight, and then you see how many points you get, kind of like a normal tournament in normal tennis times. Yeah. But now it's just purely a, a team versus team. Where you, it's a duel. You're, you're, yeah, it's a dual match, and you can play up to, I think, four of them if you get all the way to the finals mm-hmm. and getting that number one seed means that you're playing the number 16 seed in the first round and then so on and so forth in, you have the best in road theory the easiest route in the next round and stuff but uh yeah I, I remember we talked to a couple of those kids and they were a little bit disappointed that you know you're not going to get that shot in an individual title this year the only the, the only people who are going to get a shot is one singles one singles yeah one singles will it's like Two days after, I think it's the 21st. It's the, week, 20- it's the following weekend. Is it a week? Okay, I didn't- It's the following weekend, yeah. they Each division picks. The, they have a coaches committee, I think, that gets together, and they select who the top eight individuals are in that division, and those eight just play a, a tournament to determine the individual state champion. That's only going to be for this year, uh, but still, nonetheless, it should be interesting, and I think it'll give uh, at least St. Francis a pretty good look at a overall team title, which hasn't happened that I know of, at least in my time here. I don't know. Do you know when the last time they had an overall team title was? St. Francis? Yeah. They haven't. They haven't. No, they've been, they've been, they've been knocking on the door. They've been, they've been runner-up they, all I can they've remember. Been, they've been like second, third, fourth. You know, they've been placed in the top five for the last decade. You know, Paul Bandrowski got that, that program just amped up, and they've been placed in the top five like every year, but haven't got over that precipice and, and – taking that number one I can't spot. lie. If you would have asked me at the beginning of this season if I would have thought this would have been the year for them to do that, I would have said no. But being ranked, you said being ranked number one going into the state tournament is a big deal. We got what, Traverse City Central's also in the state tournament. Uh, they're ranked, I believe, what, number eight in Division Two. Yep. And then Petoskey is... Number 11. Number 11. So, yeah, we have a couple We have a couple more teams. We saw Petoskey and Traverse City Central go at it a couple times this year. I think, you know, Traverse City Central was... Had the upper hand in those matchups. You know, Petoskey being that 11 seed is going to be a little tough for them Districts to uh, make at it. Petoskey and uh, Petoskey took a few flights in the in the in the conference meet too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so Central matches up against Wald Lake Central in the first round, who's the number nine seed in Division Two. Petoskey's in Division Three. Mm-hmm. They're the 11 seed. They get Grand Rapids Christian. You know, then Central's staring at the second round match with number one Grand ha- Grand Rapids Forest Hills Northern. Which I'm almost positive they've already played this year. They at the very early stages they went down to Grand Rapids Forest Hills Northern for a tournament when basically no other sports were going on. It's gonna be tough. Yeah. Well then just like the St. Francis, they're yeah. number one for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Number one for a reason. And that's a big ups, like you said, to Traverse City St. Francis. Now we have one more one more sport that is entering the playoffs very soon and that's soccer. Soccer districts start on Thursday, so only a couple days from now. Everybody has kind of shaken out. Most teams have their final regular season game either today on Monday or tomorrow on Tuesday. Uh, so we'll see exactly how that all shakes out. We saw a couple teams like Elk Rapids clinch their conference late last week over Boyne City. And, you know, uh, Traverse City West actually 
locked that up earlier last week. I, I want to run through these district schedules and kind of just give our listeners some ideas of who to look out for and where we expect them to, you know, end up. We we know we'll just start at Division One. Traverse City West. We talked about them with the rankings on our rankings segment last week. They're tops in the state, top in the country, according to you know Max Preps. But they're a good team. They have one loss on the year. Back to back years that they're entering the playoffs with only one loss. They're gonna be. They obviously have that top seed in the district, and take on the same team that they just beat seven to zero, or potentially the same team that they just beat seven to zero on Saturday. Yeah, and they're you know the the high school soccer coaches association hasn't come out with their own rankings this year at all. But the MHSAA has put out what their rankings are according to the Michigan Power rankings, which is the computer rankings, and they are. A little bit surprising in that Traverse City Central is ranked fifth in Division One, but this is on you know its strength of schedule is a big factor I think in this and, and Central twice. yeah Central's played West twice they played a bunch of other pretty good teams too and uh, and West is ranked number two in the state behind Troy Athens who is the team that beat them in the state finals last year exactly which makes sense as to why you may not make that flip flop until <laughs> they get beat so I mean so Traverse City West looks to be playing at home sort of. Until the MHSA has neutral site games, yeah, which will be nice. Uh, obviously, they ha- they they we've seen it happen. They usually do end up in that yeah. district final yeah. with Traverse City and Central. The, and the districts are geographic yeah. for Division so, One and Division Two, so they if, won't necessarily get all them that many home games. But we'll see. They'll at least be what I think would be in the northern region through the district. They'll at least they'll stay at Traverse City Central. I mean, I think it's quite obvious. We see West getting out of their district. They're going to beat Central again. They've already beat them 4-0, 5-0, or 3-0, 4-0. It doesn't matter. And they've beat it, them in the first half. Yeah, it, it's time. been bad. Traverse City West is by far and away our best soccer team uh, in the area. We go down to Division Two. Uh, Cadillac and Alpena play off in the first round. And then uh, Gaylord is going to go off against uh, Bay City, John Glenn. All those big North Conference teams are going to be meeting up. Petoskey's also in that district. I almost feel like one of them has to come out of it, but we haven't seen them in the last couple of weeks. I think Gaylord actually had a, a little run to the district final last year, but it was not, um, you know, it was not fruitful past that point. Yeah, and Gaylord uh, had a little nice run at the end of last year. They've had a pretty solid season this year. Uh, Petoskey, though, I think is kind of another step ahead of them. I think in their in their program's development, um, but but Gaylord is progressing in that. One you know, thing from that standpoint. One thing I want to look out for, at least um, from the, the district standpoint, is how many teams from the northern region, region six and eight, are going to be the ones surviving to the district finals. Because it was the thing at the beginning of the seasons, coaches from downstate were complaining that, oh, they have way more time to prepare for their season. They have way more time to compete. What's going to happen come the state finals when we have X less games, you know? That's that's one of the things that I want to actually see if there's any merit to because this is really the first time we're seeing it play out with uh, soccer mm-hmm. soccer districts and volleyball coming up next week. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why you had all those teams flocking up here for those couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. he's got to play. Um, well, because you, you mentioned so they, the Bay so City teams, and there a lot of them yeah. were coming coming like because it wasn't really that far of a trip for them. Maybe like two hour drive. Yeah. So as far as number of games, they got their games in, but they weren't able to practice like down there like. The teams were here, especially yeah. for like, especially volleyball. I mean, all right, let, let's move into Division Three, fellas. This is what I think is our most interesting district. It has a lot, a lot of local talent. We got TC Christian, 
Kalkaska, uh, Boynton City, Grayling, Elk Rapids, all in this district. Uh, we know TC Christian with Henry Reisdak and or Marcus Reisdak and Henry Reinick have been awesome this year. Uh, we know that Boynton City has had a really a, a really steady season. They just fell to Elk Rapids in that conference title three to zero, but they tied them earlier in the season. Uh, so we know that Boynton City is a capable team. Grayling uh, has has made a couple different wins here and there, but and, they, and yeah, and great. Well, Grayling tied Boynton City earlier in the season. Okay, so yeah, so, and they get to yeah. play each other in that first round. Yeah, they, yeah, they get a rematch in that game. And then Elk Rapids is the number one seed because I don't think we mentioned soccer districts are seeded this year, which is awesome. Um, I, I know we, we talked about West having the home game, but that's really what it is, is that they're seeded this year. And those top teams get the bye. Elk Rapids gets the bye here. Uh, they don't play until October 19th. And they will uh, take on the Kalkaska Sheboygan winner. And then uh, we'll see. I, w- I would assume that that's going to be a TC Christian and Elk Rapids district final, which I, I, would, be, that. I would be very, very excited to see. Yeah, that that should be that should be a really good game. Elk Rapids is ranked number four in Division Three, so the only two the only teams ahead of them are Richmond, South Haven, and Gross Eel. So they'll continue to play at home until they run into one of those teams. Yeah, right. I gotta say that TC Christian team with uh, Coach Roy Montany as first year head coach really has impressed me with their scores and one of the things they've been able to do. Yeah, especially with him taking over that program and just turning around like those two guys, Marcus and Henry, have just been lights out for them. Uh, we've talked about them a couple times as you know being in the in the running. Definitely going to have to be around the, the dream team. Now the next one is our Division Three at Kingsley. Uh, we only have a couple of local teams in here. That's Benzie Central and Kingsley. They play in the first round, so the likelihood that we get somebody to come out of that district, I would say, is pretty low. Um, we know that Kingsley's had a few issues with enough kids and trying to field a team this year, so uh, they'll be hosting that district. But I do not expect either one of those teams to be the ones to make it out. Uh, we go down to the last one, which is Glen Lake is hosting a district. Charlevoix and Glen Lake play in the first round, and then Buckley plays McBain NMC in the first round, while North Bay and Pine River do. All while Leland is that first round by that top seed sitting there waiting for everybody. Looks like Buckley has a good chance of playing Leland if they can get past McBain, Northern Michigan Christian, which we know they were good last year. They were the ones who gave Leland a, a bit of a run in that district final. Um, well, I guess Leland ran away from it eventually. But yeah, the school doesn't have football, so soccer's That's they put thing. all their chips in soccer. Didn't they already play Leland this year? McBain and MC? No, uh, Buckley. Yeah, yeah. They, they played last week, but that's what I'm saying is that this is going to be a, a rematch of the big – or two of our best teams in the area, especially in Division Four. They don't even get to meet in the final. They're going to be in the district semifinal. And then uh, North Bay, Pine River, and Charlevoix, Glen Lake will play in the other semifinal. So, I mean, we know what Leland's capable of. And Leland just beat the defending state champs 3-0 to to just this past week. Uh, So, Leland looks like they're on their high horse running into the playoffs as well. Mm -hmm. And then they'll, you know, I I think they'll probably get Glen Lake in the final. And that should be a pretty good game, too. Um, You know, Glen Lake is one of those programs that is on the rise. Henry Plumstead, forty goals plus. He might, he might, he might be my. Uh, I, after watching him play, I, I he could be our player of the year. I think he's Maybe. he's going to be. If we have that conversation on this podcast, it's going to be a, that's going to be a tough conversation to have. But uh, yeah, soccer districts start Thursday and they run all the way through next week. So make sure that you keep it locked. We will update you on all of those games and let you know who is making it further into the playoffs as we progress. We have like three minutes left, gentlemen in this segment before we get into our interview with Michael Whitman, and we have to talk a a little bit about football, just a little bit about football. We saw an incredible amount of blowouts last week. I think we expected it with all the games that we saw. 
Uh, you went to a really good game, though. You wanted to talk about it. You saw Galen St. Mary Pelston. That was probably the closest game of the entire weekend. What was it, 32-26 or something like that? Uh, yeah, it was a one. It was a one-score game, uh, thirty-four to twenty-eight. Okay. So just a little under a touchdown. Although nobody kicked an extra point in that entire game. I'm trying to find the stat here, but I think there was a whole one touchdown scored against Central West and St. Francis. Yeah, they were all. That was. They no, were it all. It was less than that. It was less than that. I think it was six points. No, it was two. Gaylord scored a safety on Traverse City West, and St. Francis and Central both shut out their opponents. So no one scored a touchdown yeah. on any Traverse City yeah. team. Yeah, last weekend. So we're, we're, we don't need to talk too much about those guys this week. Yeah, Traverse City shut out. Yeah, that was – yeah, my, Sands two-point. But uh, you said that Gaylord St. Mary looks legit. Yeah, I mean, Pelton, Pelton obviously looked really, really, really good too. They've got a nice uh, power running game. They only throw the ball a little bit here and there when they have to to kind of loosen up the defense. Um, but for the most part, they were just – running on the first or the early downs and getting ahead of the chains but Gaylord St. Mary looks like they could be a team in the playoffs that uh, that nobody could overlook I mean uh, Chris Koshelniak has an arm at quarterback um, this is his first year at quarterback so I think as the season he gets maybe a few more games under his belt and throws the ball a little bit more he'll get some a little better touch on it and stuff he had a couple times where he overthrew some people and stuff um, they had a couple drops and stuff too but their passing game looks like it can be really, really effective. Okay. Um, Conrad Cordy's a really good receiver for them. And, you know, that they just they were just pretty impressive. I mean, Pelston, obviously, a little bit more impressive. But well, and, I mean, when I saw that game, there was a couple different plays that had they gone one little bit differently, I feel like that game would have been different. If I'm not mistaken, that, that Pelston, like, returned a fumble for a touchdown or a kickoff for a touchdown or something like that? They had a uh, – uh, a bad snap go over Kashelniak's head, and and then uh, that's a gap. Pelston, Pelston recovered it for in the end zone for a touchdown. Exactly that that right there tells yeah. you that one snap difference. That's a whole different game. They win that game then. Yeah, and there was a couple of interceptions, um, you know, and some fumbles. I, can, I, I get that. So, stuff, but the 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 the, the, the I've but those uh, are <laughs> but those are also fixable things, and if you fix those things. Exactly. I was I was just making a joke. Yeah. I, I've told the story on the podcast about me snapping the ball forty yards over my my mm-hmm. quarterback's head. Those are the type of things that when it happens, you're like, man, we should have beat that team. And I have a feeling they probably think the same thing. If if they scored a touchdown right on that, they probably feel the same way, and they'll probably have that chip on their shoulder the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gaylord St. Mary was confident enough in this game that they went for it on like fourth and fifteen in their own and in their own territory. Sometimes you do what you got to do. When they were within, like, a score in the second half of a game. They were down a score? Yeah. Okay. I was making sure that they weren't up doing that. But they weren't out of time. They weren't out of time. I mean, there was plenty of time to punt the ball and play defense. And they went for it on, like, 4th and 15. Speaking of another – They get it, but – I was say, speaking of another team that has confidence, uh, we did have a great interview with Sutton's Bay senior Michael Whitman. Uh, I went out and saw their game against Whittemore Prescott this past weekend. Uh, Norseman impressed. They won 39-20. to uh, one of those was a garbage time touchdown, and the guy that they were playing against was just a a, a monster. Uh, if you looked, if you saw the, I, I'm sorry, Michael, when you listen to this episode, that I had to put you getting completely stiff armed into oblivion as the cover photo for Sunday, but it was necessary. So go ahead, take a look at that story in the Record Eagle, um, where Michael gets stiff armed really bad, but they won nonetheless. It was a good game. And, uh, it was just one play. It was just one play, and it was really early on. It was in, like, the first quarter, but, you know, sometimes when you get a photo, you just 
you run with him. So let's go ahead and give it, listen to that interview with Michael right now. The Get Around Podcast is excited to welcome in Michael Whitman, senior from Sutton's Bay. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I know you had another big win over the weekend with the Norsen, but we're going to get to know you first. We're going to dive right in with our Freaky Fast Five and ask Michael some questions. James, you usually have some goofy ones to start. Let's go ahead and do it. All right, I got a, I got a weird one here. Do you believe that Bigfoot exists? Uh, I don't, but I was, there's a teacher, an English teacher at Fountain Bay, and actually, she used to live in Benzie, and she told our class a story one time about how her and her dad saw Bigfoot, and that. They have a footprint of it, and a big FBI, and she still has a picture of the footprint. So it, it kind of convinced me, but I don't think so. Do you have to see it before you believe it? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. See it before I believe it. Okay, I don't know. I, it, since it is October and we're in spooky season, name the top five things that you would take with you during a zombie outbreak. Okay, let's see. Probably a gun, a knife, some food and water, camouflage, and... Maybe a sleeping bag or a tent. Try to get some some form of shelter. That's a good idea, just in case you can't shack up inside of one of these buildings. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what are qualities that you like the least and most in your parents? <laughs> <laughs> least and most in my parents. I guess I'll start with most. Probably support, how much they support me, um, how driven they are, are probably the two top, and how kind they are and respectful to everybody. You always got to front load the least, good news. <laughs> yeah. Least, I would say, maybe like like almost OCD or orderliness. My mom likes everything like perfect, which is understandable, but sometimes it drives me insane. I like to have a little bit of real. Let's see. I don't know, cooking maybe? <laughs> I mean, my mom's a pretty good cook, but sometimes... My dad, my dad's not. <laughs> Pops wants to be master of the grill, but it don't always turn out so hot, huh? Yeah. yeah. Alrighty. What's your favorite midnight snack? I like like minute meat rice, or like peanut butter and jelly. I would say. Okay, so do you, do you often find yourself making rice in the middle of the night? Yeah, a lot of the time. Like I'll get up and rice rice with like butter sounds really good. <sighs> Um, what is your favorite 1990s song? 1990s song? Mm-hmm. That's hard. So maybe like from before you were born. Um, yeah. I DJ weddings, though, so I play a lot of 90s since that's like the generation getting married right now. Okay, so, what, okay, so what's, um, the be- what's the best wedding song or the best song for you to throw down at a wedding? Like any, any anything, yeah, any song. any generation. Like when you when you're at the wedding, you you play that song and it gets everybody going. Um, I guess it depends on the year, but and like the crowd that's there. But I guess like celebration always sounds out good or starts out good, mm-hmm. and then the cupid shuffle or the wobble. Okay. Lately, it's been the wop though. I would say. Okay. Okay, making a comeback for another da- another line dance move. Well, all those yeah. wedding line dances, those are always fun. That, that's interesting, too. Yeah. D- a DJ, DJ weddings, how long have you been doing that? Two years now. Sounds like a lot of fun. So, you, yeah. You, I was just saying, I'm sure you've had some I crazy stories. And, yeah, there are like, a lot of crazy stories. People people can get out of hand sometimes. That's a fun. You, you get to celebrate people's special days with them. I mean, weddings always seem to get a little wild. Yeah. 
Yeah. What, so being able to see so many weddings, what have you learned from uh, uh, etiquette and or behavior at, at wedding receptions? I would say I could write some pretty pretty good best man speeches and vows. I've, I've listened to a lot of those. Etiquette, like everybody's different. Some people like it less. Some people like it really formal or like more expensive weddings. But I've learned a lot in, on either side of that and kind of it helps me narrow down maybe what I want later in life. But I know it's probably going to be up to my future wife because yeah. the girls do most of the planning. Of course, of course. And you're in the, you're in the planning, so you know because they're the ones probably calling you and be like, hey, DJ my wedding. Now, uh, <laughs> that was the Freaky Fast Five. That is a, not, a nod to our sponsor at Jimmy John's. We're going to go ahead and dive into the rest of this a- interview with Michael. Uh, I was at your game this past week and got to see you guys beat uh, Whittemore Prescott. I know it's been a long time since you guys have played them. Obviously, you guys have never done that in your high school career. But they were a team that was supposed to play 11-man football this year and kind of got bounced back and forth. And I think I talked to you after the game about some of the skill guys on their team. You know, they, they were definitely, um, you know, not – it didn't seem like they were, you know, all in on eight-man. They were definitely like more like an 11-man football team. How did that kind of challenge you guys this past weekend? So they ran kind of like a veer offense and – a lot of eight-man teams when I mean, I know we didn't for sure when we moved over to eight-man, but it was it was difficult to adjust to that. I would say we're not used to defending that on defense, so we kind of practiced all week on putting our big guys up front and how we were going to stop that power. Especially with eight-man, you lose some, you lose the tackle, so it kind of hits quicker almost before half pace. And we had to work on our defensive formations to make sure every gap was accounted for and that we could stop their plays. We knew their backfield was pretty talented. Yeah, I remember you said to me after that game that uh, I think his name was uh, Dakota Gagnon. He was one of the best players you probably yeah. ever played against. How do, how do you kind of, like, do that on the fly, especially because, you know, Whittemore Prescott was scheduled this past week. You guys were supposed to play on Nekama. How did you guys kind of have to adjust for something when you had that good of an athlete on the other side? Yeah, a lot of film, I would say. I know we we wrote down their numbers. We tried to sketch on all their plays. We saw number seven, and we watched Gaylord play them, and we know Gaylord's a good team. And he did not go down very easily, so we knew we had to wrap them up, hit low, drive drive through them, so we could bring them down. We knew they weren't going to go down very easy. They're pretty strong, big boys. How was that adjustment for you guys when you moved from 11-player to 8-player football? How, how was it for you? It was different. It definitely took, um, I would say, a few months to get used to. In different formations, your tight ends play kind of slot and tight ends, so they have to know how to block too. Um, we tried to cross train so everybody knew two positions. That was really important to us. So you have less guys, so if somebody goes down, somebody's got to be able to jump right in there. So it took a while to get used to, but once we got used to it and learned how to play and got used to the field and the field you nails know, a little bit, yeah, it got really fun. It's been a lot of fun too, and I'm just glad we get to play the game. What are the positions that your uh, your secondary positions then? If somebody gets hurt, what what do you move over to? So I can play. I'd say tight end to freshman and sophomore. I move to guard. I play back up center, so I can really play anywhere on the line, pretty much on offense, defense. I can play defensive end, linebacker, nose guard. We all kind of switch on defense depending on the team. Like we had one of our. Nose guards play linebacker this week against Whittemore Prescott because we knew that big boy, that big lead blacker was coming up the hole and we wanted him to meet him every time so we could plug those holes up. I want to talk a little bit about uh, you guys and, I mean, the change, like you said, from 11-player to 8-player. It only took a couple of years for you guys to make that run all the way to the Superior Dome. 
and uh, make something happen in that last year. What type of momentum did that give this program? I mean, you guys are still rolling, and I, I know that you know, you're, looking, you're looking forward to another opportunity of something like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, growing up, an 11 man, when we were in elementary, we watched an 11 man, probably back in 2014 and 15, go to playoffs. And we always knew we wanted to do that when we were in Pop Warner. We thought that was so cool. And even last year, all these middle schoolers really look up to us now, and they want to, they want to do what we do and go all the way to Superior Dome. And playing in that game was really cool. And I think people that watched it that didn't necessarily play last year were like, I really want to be a part of that. That's really cool. The team's so close and almost like a family, and I really want to be a part of that. So we got some more guys coming out this year and that didn't necessarily play last year. And I think that was really good for our team. We could use some of these guys, and they've been really beneficial to the team. Uh, you mentioned that that term of family, and you know I talked to Coach uh, Garrick Opie after the game, and I know that uh, you you were kind of part of the honoring of his late mother and doing those stickers. Could you kind of just tell us what you guys went through with Coach and how you guys kind of uh, did that last week? Yeah, so I didn't necessarily know that Coach's mother died. I knew she wasn't doing well, and he'd been dealing with that a long time now for the past year or so, and they actually came up to Jake and I, we're the three captains, and just told us, and he was like, I have this idea. Nate's, Nate's idea was to make these stickers and dedicate her and match Coach Opie's initials on the back of his playbook, and we made some stickers to go on her helmets to honor her because we knew without her, he wouldn't be here, and he'd been really, he'd been coming to practice all week to get ready for this game. Didn't, didn't have a chip on his shoulder or anything. He he came and didn't even really let us know that it was hurting. He's a really strong man. So we just thought that's the least we could do to honor him and his family. He does a lot for us, so we thought that was the least we could do to honor him. Let's go ahead, okay, so hypothetical question. If you guys are back in the state finals this year, just pretend you're back in the state finals this year, you can't play at the Superior Dome or Ford Field or, we'll say, or Sutton's Bay, where would you want the game to be? I would say maybe a, a neutral side. Like, I guess it could be our Sutton's Bay, but... Maybe like Derby, a nice field with turf. I know towards the end of the year it gets kind of muddy on our field at least, especially last year with that snow. So maybe like a turf field that has bleachers so everybody can spread out with COVID. Maybe Mount Pleasant or Derby Field in Traverse City, one of those bigger schools with a turf field. Now uh, I talked to Coach a little bit before this uh, getting into you. I, I, you know, I was told, you know, you're an NHS, you're in like the Young Business Professionals of America. Uh, he told me that you're a really good student. What have you been uh, looking at academic wise uh, in your senior year and especially going forward? So right now, I really just love like the sports stuff. So I wanted to incorporate that, but I also love helping people. So right now, I want to be a physician's assistant. So I'm thinking about majoring in kinesiology, which is the sports side of it, so I can keep that up with how the body moves, how the muscles move. And then a minor in psychology, so I can understand people and really get to know people from all, all different sides of stories through their life. Do you have any plans uh, as to where you're going or anything like that? No, I'm not for sure yet. I've definitely worked at some out-of-state, some in-state, but yeah, not for sure yet. But there's definitely a couple of options. Alma, Michigan State, DePaul, which is down in Greencastle, Indiana. Those are probably in my top three right now. Now, I know, I know we talked about just your versatility on defense and just what you're able to do um, on Saturday trying to have to move yourself around. I mean, you even kind of were playing that, like, middle linebacker, even safety position at your size, probably being what I think is one of the biggest kids, if not the biggest kid on Sutton's Bay's football team. 
Uh, how do you kind of wrangle all that in when you have to kind of just like, I don't know, standing in the back of an eight-player defense, I feel like, is kind of, you're, you really are a last-ditch effort because, like you said, it goes so quick. If they get across that second level, it's just you and a, and a running back. Yeah. I don't necessarily like playing safety, but I know I can step up this week because of the, the offense they ran. We're not used to seeing that at all in eight-man. So, I don't know. It was nice to have the back here. It's kind of command and show people, like, okay, we need to fill this hole. We need to stop the counter on the other side. And then I could be at the last resort if they didn't stop it to come in there and make the tackle and make sure they didn't get past me. Because once an eight-man, once you get past the linebackers, if the team doesn't have a safety back there, they're kind of gone. So you have to be careful. I didn't mind it, and I knew it was best for the team, so I was happy to do it. Now, speaking about what's best for the team, Coach Opie told me that you've been bugging him about getting the ball as a running back. Is that true? That is true, actually. <laughs> so you want to you you get some bowling ball touchdowns. Is that what it is? Yeah, for sure. I, I'm on one platform. But, yeah, the touchdown, Nate got across there on the corner sneak. But, yeah, I think it would be nice to just through. I've always been a defensive guy, I guess you could say. I mean, in top Warner, I actually didn't play offense. I only played linebacker all the way till middle school football. And they finally let me play a couple things on offense. And then I became a tight end through um, sophomore year. But I've always been a defensive guy. So, and even right now, a defensive coach uh, won't let me on offense. So it would be nice. I've always wanted to run the ball. I was thinking even playing like Brandon Crawford from Poland. He's a big guy. and He was hard to tackle. So I just think I might be valuable there if I could be hard to tackle. But, if they want to save me for defense, that's fine, too. I, I love hitting people. So Now, do you think that since you have been with Coach Opie since, like, Pop Warner, you might be able to pull those strings just a little bit harder? I mean, maybe. <laughs> but Coach Pash, our defensive coach, kind of – I mean, he's been doing this a long, long time. So sometimes Coach Opie listens to him, too. So I don't know. I think I might be able to maybe one game. But I don't know. He might want to save me for defense when it matters in those big games. Hey, if that's where you're needed, that's what you do, right? Yeah, exactly. Whatever's best for the team, I'm, that's what I go with. All righty. Well, you know what, Michael? We really appreciate you taking some time with us before practice here on Monday to chat about the Norsemen. I know you guys have big goals this year, and it was great to see you guys play this, uh, this past weekend. We wish you the best of luck, and thank you once again. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Another huge thank you to Michael for joining us here at the Get Around. Um, we seems like we kind of had to have had a Norseman on here over the last couple of years. We had uh, Bryce and Lucas on here last year uh, before they made their run to the state title, and who knows, Michael might be uh, another one of their good luck charms. I know he's one of the hard, hardest workers over there for Suns Bay. So thank you once again for joining us. Uh, that interview sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak, yeah. Let's get into the chatter. That doesn't matter because James is going to be the only one who's talking. <laughs> yeah, why uh, have you guys not been paying attention to this? I, I, It's not that I haven't paid attention to this. It's just that I don't have after, – after doing what we did with the Zadina for the Red Wings and how high of a pick he was and he still has seen like 18 total games of ice time in almost three years – 
I'm just not very excited about the guys who came in because they're going to be staying in Europe for another two years. But you go ahead and you tell us. I know our top pick, well, they're at least keeping him across the pond for now. Well, I'm excited as much as for the free agents that they signed as for the, the draft. I mean, the draft was, I mean, they got, what, 12 guys? A lot. They had a lot of draft picks. And Eisenman was moving around like he was Bill Belichick in the draft, trading back and trading, you know, I think they had like three or four trades during the draft. Um, then they traded for an extra seventh-round pick at the end because they had a kid on their list that they really liked and was still available, and they took uh, – Chris Draper's kid in the seventh round, who is way bigger than Chris Draper. Is he? Way bigger. Well, like, Chris Draper's not a big guy. No, Draper's not a big guy. Draper was you know, known for his speed yeah. in, in the NHL. Uh, his kid's like 6'2", 190. Oh, yeah. Already. But, well, okay, this sounds really bad, but I have to, you brought that up. I have to ask this question. What do you guys feel about nepotism in professional sports when it comes to something like that? Because uh, we talked, I think I talked about, you know, like, Antetokounmpo's younger brother got into the NBA, not purely off of... His skill, I would say, um, I'm not saying obviously, but like you know, Seth Curry, Bernie it, James, but who? Bernie. Yeah, yeah, that's what we brought <laughs> thank up. Thank you, thank no, you. No, but we brought we, we brought up, we brought up the conversation because of LeBron. It's just like mm-hmm. even if he isn't good enough, he'll he will probably get drafted into the NBA and he'll get a chance to play with his dad if his dad stays around long enough. But the nepotism with like Draper <laughs> or something like that, obviously, if his kid's bigger, better. I just you see it a lot more than you think in like millions of dollars worth of contract professional sports. Yeah, like the Tigers drafted Verlander's brother. Yeah, like well, yeah, I see it a lot more in baseball, where teams are just willing to throw late round draft picks at relatives of guys in their organization, or, or even kids of any famous players. But, I mean, it happens everywhere. But though. then, you, but then you get your Patrick Mahomes, and everybody, from, you know, is like, well, that worked out pretty well. Yeah, it's, right? it's funny you bring this up because I got a chance to ask Buddy, ask Buddy Black this question on a whim. It was wild. We were down there for spring training and. He go. He uh, says, "All right, I'll be here at seven a.m. if you want to talk to us, just for about life for about ten minutes." And that was the one question I asked him. I said, "Why does nepotism happen so much in baseball? And do you think that adds any pressure onto the players?" And he's like, "No, I, I don't. I don't really think it does." He said, "It's cool, and if anything, from a coach's perspective, to uh, have so many because they they had a couple guys that were the sons of the prospects that were the sons of their former players in the organization." And he says, "It's a cool deal because like they remember." Their parents remember the experiences they had at Coors Field too. Mm-hmm. Well, and the Red Wings have done this a bunch of times. It's, it's happened before. I just Cause, cause I don't it, want to go too it, far off. Because well, because in the prospects tournament though, before they've had they've had they had Mike Babcock's kids. They have Chelios kids. When they in there, they had Chelios's kids. They had Nick Lidstrom's kids. Yep. We're all on the on the team in the for the prospects tournament, and you know, <laughs> if, you know, and hey, if, if it makes Dad happy, it, you know, and maybe the kid pans out. Right. I guess. Yeah. It keeps a uh, keeps your. Well, your lifelong alumni happy, and maybe the uh, maybe the kid pans out. Let's talk about the actual draft picks, the non-nepotism kids here who deserved it. Uh, I mean, Chris Draper's kid obviously deserved it if he got picked in the seventh round, you said? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's not like they went and took him in the second round. So Then, then that doesn't scream nepotism to me. Yeah. It screams nepotism because they took him like the last pick. But anyways, who else are you excited about? He, you said we he, got some trades? The, the, the scouting reports on him, though, are that he's a legit prospect. Yeah, they made a lot of trades. I like the, I like what they've done in the last couple of days in uh, in free agency. I mean, you know, they 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 let some players go. They had most notably Justin Applicator, um, to to save some money under the cap. But they added uh, Troy Stecker and John Merrill to the defense. Those are just two guys who are going to come in on uh, really affordable contracts and really help that team. Which the the defense was abysmal last year. 
I mean, it was awful. Um, and adding those two guys who are just steady defensive defensemen is going to help that out. Uh, Bobby Ryan and Vladislav Nemestikov are going to add some scoring pop to like that second and third lines. So they'll actually legit have three scoring lines this year, which they really didn't last year. <laughs> you can argue that they maybe only had one scoring line. For the most part. What do you think about the uh, buyout of Ablocator? Uh, they, I mean, he wasn't all that productive anymore. You know, that was a contract that that uh, Ken Holland had given out, and he was known for handing out those bad contracts for veteran players to show – you know, just to kind of reward people who had been there for a long time kind of thing. And I don't think you're going to see that anymore with Iserman. Iserman's going to be like, you need to to earn your way here. I mean, all these guys that the Red Wings have signed in free agency, uh, the max they've gotten is two-year deals. Um, and that was uh, the goal. Well, Stecker did, and then uh, and Nemesnikov got a two-year deal, and then they signed Thomas Grease, the, the goalie from the uh, New York Islanders, to a two-year deal. He's actually the most expensive of the players, and I think maybe the only reason they had to give him that much money is because there was, like, nothing available in free agency at goalie this year. They, they picked up a goalie in the draft, though. Uh, in, the, in the third or fourth mm-hmm. round, they picked up a Czechoslovakian goalie. So that's one of the things that organizations don't do all that often. I mean, we know Jimmy Howard has had his ways. He, they, he was still – regardless of what everybody says about Jimmy Howard, he's he's been – Still, a, basically a top 10 or top 12 goaltender in terms of statistical averages in his time with the Red Wings. And he may be, he may be getting old, but they're, looking, they're probably going to be looking for a new option, give him a little bit of time. I know the last, mm-hmm. what? I think they've been trying to replace Jimmy Howard for like six years. Yeah, they drafted just uh, Philip Larson yeah, but the last just... couple of years, too. Um, so he's a guy that's going to probably still be playing overseas next year. Um, they signed another free agent goalie that's pretty much going to be their, their Grand Rapids platoon goalie. With uh, Calvin Pickard, and, the, and then now they bring on Boyle to add to that, but uh, kind of a veteran guy. Um, so I, I like the moves they do. They they did. It, it's not like what Ken Holland did at all. He didn't go out and overpay for people. It was, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like Bill Belichick. He's going out and he's getting dependable veteran guys on reasonable contracts and filling out the lines with that and then drafting a whole lot of people behind them and saying, if you can beat them out, if you can beat out these vets, you can play, but you got to beat these vets. So you're happy with the Iser plan? So far. I mean, it, 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 looks, it looks very good from what I've, from what I've seen. Uh, how well it works out, I don't know. Are they going to make the playoffs this year? Probably not. I wouldn't bet on it. I mean, what, they only won 17 games last year? Yeah, but, but they're going to be a lot more interesting team to watch. That's good. That's good, at least. Uh, we know um, we know everybody's pining to get the Red Wings back there. We want them back yeah. in Traverse City. We're still not sure if they're going to have the prospect tournament or if they're going to do the training camp or whatever. Keep it locked in the record. You go for that. We don't talk about the Red Wings on here very often, so might as well plug those times uh, when we do. Detroit sucks. Detroit sucks. You're, you're in the wrong place for that. Yeah. Uh, you're, if you keep doing that, somebody yeah. in this town is going to destroy you. Yeah, somebody's going to come for your head, man. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, that's going to do it for our chatter that doesn't matter because James is James. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into the Hall of Fame. Our favorite segment of the show where we put one new athlete into the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. Wait, can, we, can, we, can we retract or back up to the fact that you just said the Red Wings matter because we made it the chatter that matters? No, I said they, I, no, I said that 
it doesn't matter because James is the one who was saying it. I didn't say anything about the Red Wings not mattering or mattering. I just said the chatter didn't matter because James was the one who was saying it. <laughs> Anyways, we're getting into the Hall of Fame where we induct one new member into the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. You know what it is, fellas, the Get Around Hall of Fame. Who wants to go first? I have my nomination. I don't want to go first, though, because I feel like you guys might have some good performances. I might want to talk mine up. Anyone? Bueller? Yeah. Bueller? Yeah. Derek Cox, Frankfurt wide receiver. He had seven catches for 152 yards and then turned around and made 12 tackles on defense for two touchdowns, too. Uh, good job, Jared. Even though uh, the Frankfurt lost 58-22 to the Harbor Springs. Harbor Springs is not a bad team, though. Uh, I have uh, Emma Turnquist for Traverse City Central Volleyball. Um, this weekend, you know, they, they dropped a five-set match to Petoskey, but in that match she had 25 kills, seven aces, a block, and 18 digs, and also recorded her 1,000th career kill. Big milestones. We had somebody up for that last week. I don't think she quite got it, though. Let's see if that happens this week. My nomination is Misix Cole Spencer. I've been pretty high on this kid all year. I've kind of talked him up and uh, said I think he's one of the better receivers. He had 110 receiving yards with two scores or with one score and then two other scores not on offense. He scored on a kick return and on an interception return, both for touchdowns. So scored in all three phases of the game for Misik and an absolutely dominating victory over Bear Lake. But Cole Spencer is my nomination for scoring in all three phases of the game. We must vote. Gentlemen, I'm going to vote first and put the pressure on you guys. I'm voting for Cole. Okay, I'll go with Cole. All right, my Mr. Relevant vote is for Darnquist. Okay, so we're not unanimous this week. Hey, Milestone, like we said, I think that's what happened last week. We, we could not be unanimous last week either because Emma Mirabelli hit her 1,000, so Emma probably deserves uh, – Turnquist probably deserves the exact same recognition. But nonetheless, congratulations to Cole Spencer. We don't have to talk about you anymore this year. Just kidding. You had a great performance with those three touchdowns. Uh, we were very impressed with that. I was very impressed. I'm glad that Maya. Has he had like 100 yards receiving in every game this Almost. year? Almost. It's close to. It's close to. I think there was one game that they won by a bunch, and he only had like 86, but pretty much 100. Yeah. That means we only have one segment left, fellas, and we talked a little bit about nepotism, but that isn't quite uh, – I mean, that might come into this conversation, but for our trifecta today, I wanted to ask you guys, do we think that LeBron James can get to six titles? And, you know, match that Laker royalty, get up there and get Michael Jordan's number. Can LeBron win six titles, which would put him up there with, you know, Michael Jordan? I mean, he's obviously played in so many NBA finals, it's unreal. He already holds all the records for, like, most minutes played in the playoffs and all that type of stuff and points scored and triple doubles and all that good jazz. But do we think he can win six? He's, what, 36 or 37 right now? I personally would say... He has maybe, maybe two more years where he can actually carry a team. You know what I'm saying? Where he can be the only guy or the guy to carry a team and have someone, you know, one off here or there with a Kyrie or, a, you know, a Anthony Davis or whatever before he actually needs to be, you know, what you call it, uh, helped to a large degree. Because mm-hmm. you see LeBron still able to just do everything. Okay, trivia question. Where does Michael Jordan rank as far as most championships in NBA history? I mean, it's got to be. It's not. It's got to be like tied with at least a couple other people. But he can't be first or second. I know that Bill Russell's up there at like eleven, and then 
I know there's somebody who has like eight, and I can't remember who it is. But I would say it's he's not, probably it's not I, Larry Bird. No, I'd probably say he's probably like around five or six, but with ties, like tenth. Really? Really? Tenth. Bill Russell has eleven. Sam Jones has ten. Also played like on those 1950s, okay. 60s Celtics teams. Like pretty much everybody that's ahead of him played for the Celtics, except for Robert Ory. Robert Ory, hey! So, Tommy Heinsohn, Casey Jones, Tom Sanders, John Havlicek. Ory's got seven. Frank Ramsey he? and Jim Laskudoff. Ory's got seven. Well, doesn't seven he? or more. And Ory How about has seven. since 1970? Like titles. Robert Ory. I just, I just want titles. Robert Ory is the leader. Yeah. Robert Ory would be the leader with seven. Because he and had then, him with the Lakers and the Spurs. Yeah. All throughout the 2000s. Then it would be Kareem Jordan. Jordan. Kareem Jordan and Pippen have six each. Kareem Jordan. Bob Pippen. Cousy also has six, but he's from the 50s and 60s. I think on a five were Kobe. And I don't know who else has. There's a whole bunch of players of five. Okay. Uh, George Mike and Jim Pollard. Yeah, I mean, there's whole teams that won five, so. Yeah, Magic Johnson, but, Dennis uh, Rodman. Okay, but besides all those guys, we see LeBron's at four. Do we, can, can LeBron get six? Obviously, he ain't getting 11. But can LeBron get six? Can he pass Michael Jordan, who everybody says is, and according to our own viewers, is the better athlete of all time over LeBron James? We did that poll during quarantine, if you guys don't remember. <laughs> But our viewers think Michael Jordan was the best athlete of all time. Say LeBron gets six, can he? I think he totally can. I mean, he's got – he's not that old. I think he's 36 or 37. Yeah, but he's got – he's got a lot of miles on that, but he's also just – The most miles ever uh, at that age. Yeah, but he's also just ridiculously put together. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before, and we said that during the hit. He, I think he literally is like the perfect – Physical athletic specimen. He's 35. He'll turn 36. He's born on December 30th. Okay. So he'll, he'll, he's almost 36. But he's got, like, I say at least three, four more years because he can he can hit outside shots. He, he's big enough that he can play in the post if you want to. So, I mean, he'll, his longevity will be three or four more years. It's got to be. I mean, I, that's the thing. Can they win two titles in there? Do Absolutely, see? because yeah. they have Anthony Davis locked up for those for those years as well. Do you guys see Kansas players uh, being on LeBron James' teams in the future? Don't care. Yeah, because there's a million other ones anyways. <laughs> they, uh, the, the thing he's, is, he's I, never won a championship without a Jayhawk, guys. Uh, he's also never won a championship without himself. Sounds like all those Jayhawks never won a championship without LeBron James. Whoa. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, how you Whoa. like that? How you like that? Uh, but <laughs> That'd be your trivia question. Who's the last Jayhawk to win a title without LeBron James? <laughs> uh he said it in the press conference once. This is, oh, you can't win a championship without a Jayhawk. But and then Markeith Morris takes the ten years. I mean, this this sounds ridiculous, right? But this is the way that I'm going to put it. And he's 36, right? Vince Carter just retired at 42. Vince Carter was never. I mean, Vince Carter was an athletic, you know, like freak when it came to jumping and and stuff like that in his heyday. Can you see? Think about it this way. Eight years from now, LeBron James still playing like Vince Carter was last year. Repeat that. Eight years from now, when LeBron James is turning 43, can you see him winning a championship as a role player like Vince Carter was on the Raptors a year ago or two years or whatever it may be? Um, I don't know. I think LeBron will keep playing as long as he's a starter. I don't know that he would. I don't know if he'd accept keep, being a role player. I don't know that he would keep. I don't know about accepting being the right word. I think that once he sees himself decline to the point that he can't be a starter anymore and a contributor, he would just say, you know, I, I think it's time. But 
but I think that that's four more years. Yeah, I think it's so much longer than that. I'm, I'm saying at least. Yeah. And with Anthony Davis locked up for the same amount of years, uh, can they win two in there? <laughs> yeah. I, you could see the look in Anthony Davis' eyes. Who else going to knock him off? That was the thing. I th- you could see the look in Anthony Davis's eyes last night that he realized that he couldn't have never done that on his own. I'm serious. You, you saw that look in his eyes yeah, last night when he was sure. when, when him and LeBron in the last like minute of that game. You could just see he was just like, I am so glad I came here and left New Orleans. Even though I remember Anthony Davis was that guy who was like, yeah, I want to like stay here in New Orleans for my career and like bring a championship here. They drafted me. They love me. I love them. But that's not how it worked mm-hmm. out. And I'm sure he's pretty happy when he played with LeBron. The last five minutes of that game were probably the most exciting part of that championship. That game was horrible. That, that was game. one of the worst final games of a championship game in recent history. If you, if you think about how much they went back and forth and what team they were dealing with, I mean, Miami beat them in – Butler beat LeBron in game five without Goran Dragic or Bam Adebayo for four games, right? And then he played 40 – I think – what dude, that was nuts. We're, we're going to leave it here shortly, but in game five, Jimmy Butler – played 47 minutes and 28 seconds. He literally took 32 seconds off the court in the entire game. Yeah, Butler really was the player in that whole series. Yeah, in reality, like, he... he, Because I've... I've never been a huge Jimmy Butler fan. I've always always thought he was the guy that needed to be the number two or three guy in a big three. And he looked in this series like he's the number... He can be the number one guy. He is. And that can be. He is. Yeah. And he had to be, and he was. And he went toe-to-toe with LeBron... Not like many can do. Mm-hmm. Not like many can do. So, I, I say yes. You say yes for six. I mean, my opinions on the NBA are more than irrelevant, but I'm going to say sure. Six. Your opinions on the NBA are centered around Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason I follow so the NBA. So they are irrelevant. It's the only reason I was watching James, football. It sounds like you think so. I think it's a definite possibility. Yeah, I'd say at least it's a 50-50 possibility, which is... Okay, Andrew, let me put it this way. If you got put in front of that kiosk at Turtle Creek and it gave you a futures bet, two more titles before LeBron retires, are you putting money on it? $5. So he's not very confident. No, I that's about a, as much as I'll put on I'd put it. A, I'd, put a solid, I'd put a solid chunk on that if, I was, if they gave me a futures bet. I mean, obviously... The they, odds are good. If the odds are good, then... They have then, to Yeah, be. I would... I would yeah, I'd put a little bit of money on that. The, the odds are also good that we have most likely gone well over our allotted time here for this episode. So remember to like, share, comment, retweet. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TCRE Sports. Before we go, always like to get our Audible viewers fed with some free Jimmy John's subs. So without further ado, for the winner for episode 145, Jonathan Zutendam. Traverse City, we will be in contact with you. Keep your DMs open and keep a look for those coupons. Remember to like, share, comment, retweet on all social platforms. This podcast, this one right here, episode 145, and we'll get you entered in to win two free Jimmy John subs. So there we go. That was it. We will see you next week.